Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. There's this speech he gives her towards the end of the book when she's had an argument with her mom. And I think her mom doesn't really understand who Caddy is, but she just sees who she wants Caddy to be rather than who Caddy needs to be. That is such a common problem we all face in parenting. That was Greta Eskridge on how reading children's fiction makes her a better mother. You're going to love this conversation, and it's episode 42 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. You are listening to the Read Aloud Revival podcast, episode 42. This is the podcast that helps you build your family culture around books. I'm Sarah McKenzie. It's March. Can you believe it? March is a crazy busy month for me. I'll be traveling all over the country this month, speaking at homeschooling conferences and hopefully meeting some of you. If you're a Read Aloud Revival member, check inside membership because I'm hosting Read Aloud Revival member meetups in four different cities this year, Greenville, South Carolina. Fort Worth, Texas, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Ontario, California. I'd just love to meet you and have a cup of coffee and talk about our kids and books, and that will be so much fun. I'm speaking at several homeschooling conferences all spring and summer, so even if you aren't a member, you can connect with me at one of those, and I'll put a link in today's show notes to where I'm speaking so you can find out if I'll be in your area. The show notes will be at readaloudrevival.com. Just look for episode 42. While you're there, you can sign up to get our brand new, free, completely awesome book list. (laughs) The Read Aloud Revival book list has been a long time in the making. I'm just absolutely sure you're going to love it. You'll see where to sign up to get it for free at readaloudrevival.com or right in the episode show notes for episode 42. It's a free book list of our most highly recommended read alouds broken down into helpful and some slightly unusual categories. So I think you'll love it. Check it out. Okay, on today's show, we're going to do what we do best. That is sling around book titles like ninjas. But don't worry if you can't keep up. You can find a complete list of every book and link that we talk about during the show in the show notes at readaloudrevival.com. You're going to love this interview. I had so much fun chatting with our guest that I didn't want to hang up the phone. So let's get right to it. To say that books have influenced today's guest would be quite the understatement. Her first job was at the local library in the fourth grade. (laughs) Of course, she was able to start working early because that was the year she began being homeschooled. She continued to homeschool until she graduated at the age of 16 
and now she homeschools her own four kids. I'm talking about the wonderful Greta Eskridge. You might know her better as Ma and Pa Modern. She writes at maandpamodern.com. She also speaks at homeschooling events like the Wild and Free Conference, another one coming up on the West Coast in May. We'll get to that later. To really get to know Greta, though, you have to check out her enchanting Instagram account. It's just at Ma and Pa Modern, and you'll find beautiful images of her everyday life full of learning and ice cream and, of course, lots of books. Greta will tell you that books have helped make her into the mama she is today. They shaped her as a child, and she loves sharing good books with her kids. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm so excited to hear what she has to share with us. So Greta, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, so let's start by digging into your family a little bit. Tell me, you're married to an artist, right? And you homeschool your four kids. Tell me about that. Yes, I am married to Aaron and he is a creative director by day. And at night, usually in the middle of the night, which is the time that only time he has to create outside of work and being a dad and a husband, he's in his studio painting. And I'm usually in the living room looking out through the backyard at him painting while I'm inside writing. And we're up in the middle of the night creating. And he's just, he loves color. Our house is really colorful. He loves to paint. And he's just a really creative person and just brings creativity into that creativity into every part of our life. And he has passed that on to our kids. We have four kids and they're ages... 11, 9, 7, and 4. Three boys and one girl. Oh, I didn't realize you had more boys. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're boy heavy. My daughter would love a sister <laughs> and um, praise for it. <laughs> <laughs> I told her I can't make any guarantees because right now the odds are stacked against her, but we'd yeah. love to have a sister for her. I don't know. The odds says. are stacked against my little guy too. <laughs> and then he got a double whammy of brothers. So <laughs> that would know. make her so happy. <laughs> However, we live in a one bathroom. A house with one bathroom. Oh. So six people in one bathroom is tight. Adding That's two tight. more seems a little scary. Yeah, that to me. could be interesting. <laughs> it's doable, I'm sure. It is. It's doable. But so, yeah, we, our kids are creative like my husband, and they love drawing and they pretty much draw a good portion of every day. In fact, often when I'm reading aloud to them, they're drawing while I'm reading to them. So, Making art and books are a huge part of their life and our family's life. And we live in Southern California and we love being outside. We love the beach. We love hiking. We love going to the tide pools. So that's the other, I would say the other big part of our family's passion is to just spend as much time out in nature as we can. So um, yeah, art nature, books and nature. And books. That definitely yeah. seems like when I've been, you know, watching you online, I can see that that's your family's passion. So it is for sure. Okay. So you're a longtime book lover. When did you, do you remember falling in love with reading or what are your kind of earlier memories of that? Yes. I have loved books for as long as I can remember. My mom is a huge reader and she passed that on to each one of my siblings. All four of us are all big readers. And I think that's just something we owe to her. She passed it on to each one of us. There's a quote that I really love that says, children are made readers on the laps of their parents. And that is the story of my mom and her kids. She just gave us that love of reading. And it's one of the greatest gifts that she passed on to us. I really can recall like, you know, certain books that we read together that she 
you know, sitting on the couch and her reading books aloud to us. I remember that, you know, we cried with books together, we laughed books together. And so from as long as I can remember, I have loved books. That's just been a strong current through my whole life. Okay. And then you pulled out of school and started homeschooling in fourth grade, right? Yes. Yes. Did you notice it? I mean, do you remember any change in like the amount you were able to? I always think in my head that my kids would have less time to read if we weren't homeschooling, but I wonder if that's true or not. Do you have any memories of that? Yes, for sure. I remember being in school and I remember getting in trouble for reading too much. And I had really, my school experience, my traditional school experience was great. I went to a small private school and we were encouraged to, when we finish our schoolwork, we were encouraged to go sit in the back where the library was and to read because it was such a small school. There were multiple grades in each classroom. So we had to work independently while the teacher would teach, you know, the other grades. But I still can remember, like, especially one moment I was sitting in the back in the beanbag chair reading and Mr. Walker, my teacher came up and he said, Greta, I can't believe I have to say this, but you need to put your book away. And (laughs) he's like, because I know you didn't finish your math homework. And he was right. I always would choose books over math. And I didn't have as much time to read in school because there were lots of subjects to do and being in school all day took a lot of time. So when we started homeschooling, that was one of my favorite parts was that I had so much more time to read. And I think one of the greatest gifts my mom gave me really as in my educational journey was that she allowed me to read all the time. And sometimes even at the expense of my other schoolwork and I think that she recognized the passion that I had for it and that I was still learning so much through my reading that if I wasn't reading my history textbook, I was reading a book about history or a historical event. And Mm -hmm. so I was getting something great out of it anyways. So having more time to read as a homeschooler, or like you mentioned, being able to work in the library when I was in fourth grade, <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite, it was one of the best parts about being homeschooled was getting to get up in the morning, make breakfast, take it back to my room, lay in bed, eat my breakfast and read a book yeah, and then do my school as fast as I could so that I could read more. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how my kids are. Like how fast can we possibly get this math assignment done so we could read more books? <laughs> exactly. Okay, you have to tell me more about working at the library as a fourth grader because I'm way too curious to move on from that. (laughs) All I really did was shelve books at that age, but I loved it because I loved being in the library. It was my favorite place to be. There was the the art local library. We were in a small town. There was just one library and there was a house that was right next to the library. And I dreamed of living in that house because then all I would have to do is open up my back door and walk across the sidewalk and be at the library. That's how much I loved books and love the library. So I was friends with all the librarians and I shelved books and it was just like being around all those books. It would even read cookbooks because I just loved them so much. And um, that's funny. You know, one of my earlier memories of the library is that I would go there after school and I remember gazing at the shelves, wondering if maybe I could possibly read every single book. But I was really concerned about like if they ordered new books and they put them in, then I would lose my place. Like if I just started at one shelf and moved on and people checked them out or brought them back, I might miss them. I had this whole thing in my head about how do I possibly read every single book that's in this library without getting mixed up? (laughs) 
Yeah, the amount of books can be overwhelming for sure. Okay, so did you always plan to homeschool your own kids? I did. I loved homeschooling so much, and it was such a positive experience for me that I definitely wanted to homeschool my kids. In fact, when I started dating my husband, he was my first boyfriend, and I told him very early on that if he was not okay with homeschooling, then we probably shouldn't date because I was going to homeschool my kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that's that's a way to turn it up. (laughs) Take everything up a level. (laughs) I don't know why he stuck around and wasn't, you know, scared off by that, but he did. And so... We always planned on homeschooling, or I always did, and he just came along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) And then how did your love of books play a part in that decision? Was it like, okay, this is the kind of thing that I want to give my kids, this kind of childhood that I had? Yes. Before we had kids, I was a high school teacher, and I was a high school English teacher, and I taught for five years, and I loved teaching. But what I found was that there were some things that were frustrating for me because I was an English teacher, obviously, and wanted to share all these great books with my students. But there was just such a limited time because there was a set curriculum and it was very full and there was not a lot of space for anything extra. So I knew that there would be so many books my kids would miss out on if they were learning under that traditional curriculum. And I also saw that there was just not a lot of space for learning like history or science through books because It's a textbook heavy curriculum and that's just was the traditional model. And I thought I would really like to provide something different than that for my kids. I also saw that as much as I tried to foster like a real love of reading and create that culture in my classroom, there were a lot of my students who didn't have that. They hadn't grown up with books. They weren't interested in reading. And I really wanted my kids to be in a culture where books were just a huge part of daily life that they were celebrated. And if I introduced that to them from the time they were babies and fostered it all through their school years, that would be the culture, the book culture that they grew up in. And so having had this positive experience of being homeschooled myself and then being in a classroom where I saw things that were lacking just simply because of the restrictions of time and set curriculum, I thought I could provide this amazing literary environment for my kids to grow up in. And I love teaching. So if I get to be their teacher, it just seemed like, you know, Shangri-La. Yeah. yeah. It's not always Shangri-La because (laughs) the reality is we do have to do other subjects and I'm not always the best at those. And also, you know, homeschooling is hard. But it's and they're all still, humans and all exactly. That, you know? yeah. But it still is pretty much a dream come true. Very cool. Okay, so you've uh, said that books have really influenced your mothering. They've really modeled good parenting for you and kind of helped you become the kind of mother that you are or that you want to be. So let's talk about that. Expand on that for me. Let's see. I don't think as I was growing up reading books that I knew. I would identify a character and think, oh, that's the kind of parent I want to be. I think subconsciously, I was definitely drawn to certain characters, the parents of certain books, and I admired them and appreciated them. But I didn't literally sit down and think, oh, I want to be like this person when I grow up. What I really noticed is once I became a parent myself, a mother, and then I started reading these books, especially books that I had read as a child and now was reading with my own kids. 
I appreciated them in a totally different way. And I really then began to identify these character traits in these parents and think, wow, this is the kind of mom I want to be. This is the kind of parenting I want to do. And I really opened up my eyes to that and my heart and sort of began absorbing these ideas that I found in these characters of these books. And so much to the point that I feel like sometimes I would rather read a novel with an inspiring parent figure than a traditional parenting book. When I'm feeling like I'm struggling with my parenting, rather than pick up a how-to parenting book, sometimes I would just rather pick up The Yearling and look at Penny Baxter and say, okay, now I feel refreshed. Now I feel encouraged. Now I feel motivated. I'm going to move on. Okay. I just absolutely (laughs) love that. So you've got to tell me your favorites, like which books have the most impact on your, or maybe give me some examples about how different characters or books have had that impact on you. Well, I mentioned The Yearling and I would say that that's one of my all-time favorite books anyways, and has been since childhood. And Penny Baxter, the dad in the book, he's just, I love him. And if I could parent like him and be the kind of parent he is, then I would feel like I'm doing a good job. He is so compassionate and understanding. He, he loves to be with his son, Jody, and he really takes the time to understand Jody and who he is and his needs and what drives him. He doesn't dismiss his needs as just simply childish, but he puts himself in Jody's shoes and really makes an effort to help him grow and become a man that he needs to be, but never dismissing him as a child. And I just think that's a really powerful tool as a parent. I remember also when I read Little Women for the first time as a mom, Mm -hmm. and you know, I felt so inadequate comparing myself as a mother to Marmy because she's like this mothering goddess, you know, she's perfect. And then <laughs> exactly. um, I like, feel wow, usually right. completely inadequate. But exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, Marmy, she's, you know, she's this epitome of perfect mothering. But then I read this, there was this part and I don't know if I just missed it when I was reading it as a, you know, as a child or a young girl, but Joe is, is really angry. You know, it's the part where Joe and Amy have the big fight over the book that Amy destroys and, and Joe is just so hot tempered and, and Marmy explains to Joe that she understands how Joe feels. And she says, I struggle with anger nearly every day of my life. And Joe is just blown away by that. But she's also so encouraged by her mom's honesty. And I was so encouraged because I thought, wow, first of all, Marmy's not perfect. There's no perfect mom. If Marmy's not perfect, then none of us are perfect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that was really encouraging. But also, I just thought, to be able to be humble and honest with my kids, to let them know that I struggle with the same things they do, to be on their side so that they know they're not alone, that is a really important gift, I think, to be real with our kids. We talk all the time on social media about being real, and I wonder if we're often real enough with our own kids and let them know like, hey, I understand exactly what you're going through. I felt that same way when I was a kid, or I feel that way right now. And I love that part of Little Women because I felt like that's what Marmy does. And I want to do that for my kids. I want them to know that I'm approachable. I want them to know that I'm weak and vulnerable like they are, but that I'm still growing and that they can still grow too. So those are just two examples of many, 
books. Oh my gosh, that I have love really that so much because me. so often we feel like we have to show them how they're supposed to feel or how they're supposed mm-hmm. to move forward instead of kind of bearing ourselves and showing like, I'm a human just like you and I know exactly what you feel like in this moment. Right, right. And I, I would say another book that, that actually sort of does the flip side, it puts me in their shoes and reminds me of what it's like to be a child is the Ramona Quimby books. Um, oh, yes. Those books are so, they're so hilarious. I love listening to them. We actually listen to those books on audio because there's a series that narrated by Stockard Channing and she's an amazing narrator. You can get it on Audible. And we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes. Yeah, she does it so well. We laugh. We've listened to the whole series multiple times because she's such a great reader. But every time we listen to it, I'm reminded of what the child's brain is like. And I think that's another thing that we as parents, we forget because we dismiss things and we think, oh, they're just, why are you being so childish? <laughs> Get over it. My husband it. will say that to the two-year-old. You're almost, almost like you're acting like a two-year-old. <laughs> right. But it's so valuable to remember that they are children. And so these things that seem so simple and so silly to us are a huge deal for them. And so if we can put ourselves in their shoes and we can help them, of course, navigate it and grow, but at the same time, not diminish their feelings and act as if it's nothing. Like to find that balance is really a hard thing to do. But I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give to our kids. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. So the yearling and then Ramona books help you see life through the eyes of a child, which I've noticed too. In fact, one of the, I was reading an interview recently where Beverly Clary talked about how she, someone asked, you know, what's your favorite children's literature? And she's like, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't read children's literature. (laughs) I just write books like, like I was a child again, you know, like remembering what it felt like to be a child. And I thought, oh my word, that isn't a really, that's a gift to be able to remember what exactly what Mm -hmm. it feels like to be a child. And if we could do that as parents. Yeah. I try to pull from that a lot, actually, like not just when they're struggling or having a hard time, but even just remembering like the things that I loved as a kid and things that I wanted to be able to do just to be able to say yes mm-hmm. to things that seem silly. But I remember as a kid them seeing important and to recognize that things that seem like they're not a big deal to me or a big deal to them. And yeah, pulling from childhood and there are not a lot of great writers or not, there are not a lot of writers that do it really well. And I think Beverly clearly, Clary is just amazing at it. Yeah, I do too. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make 
delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Okay, so what book mama would you say you're most like? Well, actually, ironically, a lot of the parents that I identify with the most and want to be like, I don't know if I have achieved being like them, but I want to be like them. Yeah, yeah. For sure. There a lot of them are actually fathers. And I don't know why that is, but I think about like I mentioned Penny Baxter from The Yearling. I love Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, who doesn't want to be a parent like Atticus? He's amazing. But I also love, I don't know if you've read Danny the Champion of the World by Roald Dahl. Okay, that Um, is one of the Roald Dahl books that I have not read. It's actually my favorite of all of his books. And it was my favorite from the time I was a child. So I think I clearly admired the dad in this book from the time I was a kid. He reminds me a lot of my own father. So Mm. that's a big part of it. I have a really close relationship with my dad and my mom for totally different reasons. But in this book, Danny's dad, he is, he's so tender with his son. His mom has, Danny's mom passed away when he was a baby. So it's just he and his dad and his dad is just, he's tender. He holds Danny's hand. He calls him darling. And I, I just love that tenderness and I aspire to to be a tender mama with my own kids, especially with my sons. And I love that, that there's that element in this book, but he's also really fun and he just, he loves to have fun with Danny. The book is, a, is actually about poaching and he takes his son poaching, which you think, wow, what kind of good dad is that? But you know, like Roald Dahl does, he he's able to put this spin on things that you're okay with it. And There's this quote at the end of the book. I actually just put it on my Instagram account that is one of my favorite quotes about parenting. And he says at the end of the book, he's, Roald Dahl is addressing the kids reading the book. And he says he wants them to remember something when they grow up. And he says, a stodgy parent is no fun at all. What every child wants and deserves is a parent who is sparky. And oh, that's so good. Isn't that the greatest? Poem? Yeah. Okay. Think, we're going to have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to get lost in the day to day. Like sometimes it feels a little bit like drudgery of parenting. Like we just, we've got to get things done. We've got this checklist. There are chores and we've got to get through school. And I think sometimes we are a little stodgy <laughs> and how important it is for our kids to see us being playful with them. And a lot of the parents that I admire in literature, there is just this element of playfulness that I think is really important because kids love to play. And it's, that's one of their languages. That's how they learn. And that's how they connect with each other. And if we can connect with them that way, that's such a gift. I think Pa in the Little House series. Yeah, I was going to bring him up. <laughs> he, I love him. He plays with Laura and Mary and, you know, I can even recall that illustration from the Garth Williams books where he's got his hair all wild and he's chasing after them, pretending to be like a a wild dog or something and they're running and 
jumping over the wood box because he's so scary, but it's so much fun. So I definitely love that. And then one other character I could, I'm sorry, I could go on forever. Oh, keep going. Um, yes, this is so much fun. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> another father figure that I really love is the dad in um, Caddy Woodlawn. Oh my and goodness. I, yes. I love how he lets Caddy be herself. He lets her uh, run free and be outside. He doesn't make her be cooped up in the house with her sisters because he really knows who she is and he understands her and he understands her needs. And there's this speech he gives her towards the end of the book when she's had an argument with her mom. And I think her mom doesn't really understand who Caddy is, but she just sees who she wants Caddy to be rather than who Caddy needs to be. Oh, gosh. I think that is, yeah. that is such a common problem we all face in parenting, right? We, we have this idea of what we want our kids to be, and it's so hard for us when they clearly are someone else. And Caddy's dad gets that. But he also really understands who Caddy needs to become and he understands her fears. So he's talking to her and, and he says he's encouraging her to embrace her femininity and her womanhood, which is what Caddy is struggling with because she thinks, if I'm a woman, I just have to stay in the kitchen and sew and I want to run outside with my brothers and ride the horses and I want to have fun. And he, he encourages her to understand that women, that she shouldn't be afraid to be a woman because women are just as strong, if not stronger than men. And I remember as a teenage, like a young, probably preteen girl, like having that internal struggle of wanting to be feminine, but wanting to be, you know, outside chasing the baseball with my brother. And I really identified with Caddy. So this speech she gave to her, her dad gave to her, I I really took it in as a young girl. But then when I read it as a mom, I was literally crying and reading it to my kids. And I was like oh sobbing. <laughs> like they're used to it. So they don't think it's weird at all because I cry during books all the time. <laughs> but it just, it was like, I remembered myself as, as this little girl reading that. And I remembered how, how much of an impact it had. And then I thought, wow, I get to read this with my kids and my boys get to hear this and hear like just about, what a real woman is and my daughter gets to hear it. And how amazing that, that I'm sharing this and how amazing her dad was to be able to recognize Caddy's needs and her fears, acknowledge them, but still help her move forward and grow into who she needed to become. And I just think like that stories have such an impact on me that I think that moment I had such a great understanding about what kind of parent I wanted to be. That's why I love to read books novels about parent that are a great example of parenting, because I think often I get more from them than I would from a how-to parenting book. Well, it makes so they, much sense that, you know, we know that those lessons that our children or I guess when they're inspired to courage or they're inspired to, you know, heroic virtue in their own life through right. a story, it's so much more powerful than if we were to sit down and dogmatically give them a lesson on what it means to be noble or courageous exactly. or have integrity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the books that totally comes to mind for me is Understood Betsy. Have you oh, read that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes so, that was on my list. <laughs> oh, yes. Awesome. Yeah. The Putney family. I mean, you just can't help but think, I want to raise a child. I want to see my child the way the Putneys see right. Betsy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That is, that was, I cried in that book as well. <laughs> well, it's a really, it's really clear when you read that story about how some of the practices and things we do routinely just as adults, the way we treat kids sort of devalues them as humans with their own 
you know, thoughts and dreams and plans mm-hmm. and the way the Putneys respect the child is right. a beautiful, like just representation of what I think Charlotte Mason meant when she exactly. said that children are born persons and what Maria Montessori meant when she was talking about respecting who the child is and making them and yes. normalizing them. So anyway, yeah, I love that book. You and I speak the same language. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we would. <laughs> okay. So what have been your family's favorite read alouds? Okay. Besides all the ones that I already mentioned, mm-hmm. we love the Little Britches series. Oh, we're reading um, that right now. We've read every single one, either listened to them on audiobook or read them. Um, actually, some of them more than once. My kids love books that are a series. And so that one's great because there's so many of them. The Chronicles of Narnia, for sure. We actually have parts of those books memorized because we've read them so many times. Oh my goodness. I love reading books multiple times. So I've never been afraid to let my kids do that. I think books are, be, they're like friends. So you just spend time with them and you just, you spend time with them more and more. You just love them more. So same with The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy. They've memorized parts of those as well. Those books have been really great to listen to on audio because there's like, <clears throat> we found one that is a great narrator and I'm blanking on his name right now. I think it's Robert Ingalls. Oh, Ingalls. Um, yeah, yeah. Ingalls. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And his narration of those are so much better than I could do myself, especially because he sings a lot of the songs that are in the book. So it just has made those books come alive in a way that if I were to read them aloud, I think I just wouldn't do them the same kind of justice. So those books, they sing the songs from the stories and those have been a huge favorite. I have a post somewhere, and we can probably link to it in the show notes, where I admitted that I had was having a really hard time reading The Hobbit aloud. Mm. And I ended up getting the I audiobook. I listened to that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And we ended up getting the audiobook narrated by Rob Inglis and... As soon as we started playing it, I thought, why was I even trying? Because I wasn't right. even doing remotely as good of a job as this. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's good to say, hey, someone does this way better than I do. So I'm going to pass the torch. And you know what? One of the things, and I haven't done it yet, I'm going to do it. It's in my Amazon cart already. I've got these adult coloring books <laughs> in my Ooh. Amazon cart. And what I really want to start trying to do is instead of always when I'm, you know, turning on audiobooks <gasps> for the kids and trying to do more laundry or come in and out, right. you know, tidying a room, sometimes that takes me in and out of the story and I don't feel yes. as invested as my kids do. But I yes. think, oh my goodness, if I sat down with an adult coloring book, I would probably just, it would be so nurturing for me. And so, right. yeah, some of those books I haven't read, I have actually have not. I shouldn't even say this on the podcast. I'm going to lose <laughs> half of you all. <laughs> I have not read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so I should listen to them. I could probably do that if Rob Inglis read them to me. <laughs> yes, I actually read them. And then not till I was an adult, though, I didn't read them as a, as a kid. And I read them as an adult and I loved them. And then I'm going to lose a bunch of your listeners now because <laughs> I'm going to confess that then I was so excited to watch the movies that everyone raved about. And I started to watch the movies and I was so disappointed because they were very different than the books. Yeah. And I was passionately in love with the books. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, oh, this is not in the book. What is wrong with you? Yeah. And so I didn't watch the movies. I just kept my vision of the book the way I thought. But then when I, I listened to the books again being narrated, I actually loved them better than when I read them by myself. 
too. Oh, when I read them, I feel about Harry Potter. The when the Harry Potter read by mm-hmm. Jim Dale. I think then audiobooks are even better than reading it on your own. Yes, I think audiobooks are great, and I love what you said about listening or to do a coloring book while you listen to books because I'm the same as you. Like I'm doing the dishes, or I'm you know working out, or whatever. I'm doing something else because I feel like I don't have a moment to waste. And so I always want to multitask. Um, Whereas my kids, they listen to books, whether I'm reading aloud or audiobooks, and they're always drawing or playing Legos. They're doing something while they listen, but they're not doing something necessarily task oriented. It's just something that they enjoy and that is relaxing to them. And I think I can learn from that. That's well, you, you have a great you idea there. Said, just like, okay, so you just said you feel like you don't have time to waste. And I'm just thinking, yeah, me too. That's exactly how I feel. But then I thought, just thought, okay, what is that model for my kids? If I am like, <laughs> exactly. it's a waste of time to sit and listen to this story. Oh, you <laughs> so convicting. Oh, man. Okay. So we will dig up some really awesome adult coloring books and we'll put show notes or links in the show notes for all of you who are okay. listening. So if we want to have a read aloud revival adult coloring revolution, we can do it. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> okay. So you have so many good resources on your site, mompodmodern.com. And one is about starting a book club for kids. So do you want to talk about that? Why you started it and what it looks like and that kind of thing? Yes. Our book club is really fun. I started or tried to start a book club in fifth grade with my friends. And because I thought that sounded like the most amazing thing. And my friends were not that into it. Um, (laughs) Oh, sad. (laughs) They were more interested in just hanging out and talking. I remember one of the girls said I was too bossy, um, (laughs) trying to make everybody talk about books. And (laughs) I can't um, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And she was probably right. I'm sure I was like, come on, let's talk about the book. Why are we here? But I have longed to have a book club for ages. And so to do it now with my kids, once again, this is another dream come true. Our homeschool group, we started it probably, it's been at least three years now. And we just thought it would be really great to have, to create the culture of talking about books and loving books with the kids in our group. They all love to read from the littlest to the oldest. Our group is made up, the oldest kids are turning 12 this year. And then the youngest are babies. So we have the full spectrum of ages and all of them love books. And we thought, wow, if we could get them to just have this culture where they they learn how to talk about books together, what a gift we're giving them. So we decided to have a book club four times a year. We read one book a season. So, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer. And each family takes turns choosing a book. And there are 10 families in our group. So it takes a long time before it's your turn again. My mm-hmm. kids are dying for their turn again. And they keep saying, when is it our turn again? I'm like, oh, we've got a ways to go. But that's how much they love it. Like it's a big deal. Oh, cool. So then whoever, whatever family chooses the book, they plan the celebration where we all get together and talk about the book. So we have generally about three months to, well, by the time we pick the book and get started, it's always less than three months a couple months to read the book. And then we have this meeting where we celebrate the book and we all pitch in and help. It's not one mom planning this huge party for, I don't know how many kids are in a group, a lot. We all pitch in. So we bring food and we plan activities. The kids dress up in costumes. And that is not like, that is not us pushing in on them. That's something that they want to do because they just, they're homeschoolers. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nothing and further not, needed. <laughs> yeah, they're not embarrassed to be dressed up. Like when we read The Swiss Family Robinson, we met at an arboretum and the kids were dressed up like in everything from, you know, Swiss, like, you know, dresses like from Switzerland to, you know, buckskin caps and coonskin caps and like ragged pants like they had just got off of a shipwreck and they were completely it was like totally normal that they were out in public dressed like this running around the arboretum and just having a great time for that book book club meeting I actually planned a botanical scavenger hunt where while we read the book the kids and I kept track of all the different plants and animals that were mentioned in the book and so I always try to incorporate science or history or geography into the books we read. And so this was that this was Family Robinson is perfect for the science aspect. And so I took the list of plants and then I looked at the Arboretum's website and found the list of plants that were there at the Arboretum and found like 10 of the plants that were in the book that we had read. And the kids had to run around in teams and find those plants. Oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> it's kind of dorky, but <laughs> but it was fun. And there was, you know, there were some that they thought, oh, that's not what I thought it would look like at all. So those are just, you know, the, we do activities like that. When we read My Side of the Mountain for one of our book clubs, they drank stinging nettle tea and they built shelters. We met at the place that's kind of like wooded and where there's lots of sticks and branches and leaves that are on the ground and they built forts like my side of the mountain. So they're very active and fun. It's not where we're sitting around with, you know, fancy teacups or pinkies in the air and (laughs) trying to make them be someone they're not. Because, I mean, we have four-year-olds in this book club and 12-year-olds and we want it to be really joyful. We want them to see that reading books is just so much fun. And so that's what we attempt to bring to the occasion. I just we love all- this. So what I love most about what you just said is that you want it to be fun and delightful for everybody in the family, regardless of what their right. age is. Actually, by the time this podcast airs, we'll probably have already released it in membership. Our whole family book club, our first whole family oh, book yeah. club kit. And our first one's based on Boxes for Katya by Candace Fleming. Mm-hmm. It's a picture book. Have you read that one? Yes. Okay. So it's just a beautiful story. And our hope with those book club kits is that we can create some discussion starters and ideas for things like you're talking about that just help your whole family enjoy a book together, no matter what their yes. age is. So right. I love that. I love the idea of everybody celebrating it together rather than kind of sectioning off, you know, the sixth and seventh and eighth graders are reading this and the high schoolers are reading this and the younger kids. Of course, there is that happening too in any reading life. But I just love that intentional forming of like our whole family memories together around a book, especially with friends. That's so much fun. Yeah. And I think too, the the discussion part of the book club, because that is, you know, that was our original intent. It grew into this sort of big, much bigger thing than we ever anticipated. Originally, we just thought, oh, we're going to get together and talk about the book and we'll have food. But the kids have just taken it and wanted to run with it and make it more and more, which is great. We love that they have ownership and we dream that at one point they'll be taking over and be in charge of it entirely. But the discussion part, they love to talk about the book. I mean, it's almost to the point where sometimes we have to say, okay, we have to stop talking now because they all just, they have so much to share and they want to tell their favorite parts and they want to answer questions. And 
occasionally there there have been a couple times where we have separated for the discussion like the littler kids will have a discussion and the bigger kids will simply because there might have been some themes in the book that we thought the little kids might not have gotten but we don't do that for the whole book club and we just do it for one section of the discussion but for the most part they're all together and the big kids are learning graciousness as they listen to the little kids give an answer that maybe is a little bit of a tangent and maybe is a little bit <laughs> off track, but they they learn how to bring the conversation back. And um, those are all just such great skills. And I think what great modeling for the little kids to see that books aren't just for when you're little. Books are exciting for you when you're a kid and for the grownups because the moms, we love the books just as much as the kids do. Exactly. It's like an incarnation of that C.S. Lewis quote about a book being oh, only yes. a children's story if it's enjoyed by everybody. Right. Children. Yes, so. that is one of the quotes that I love. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, well, we are both speaking in May at the Wild and Free Conference. I'm so excited to see you there. <laughs> Me too. Now, if you are listening and you have not seen these wild and free homeschool conferences. They are, I went to my first one in this last fall in Williamsburg. It was amazing. I called my best friend, Pam, and I told her this is the best homeschooling conference I have ever (laughs) been to. This is amazing. Wild and free has a conference on the East coast in the fall usually, right? Yes. Okay. So the spring conference in Long Beach, California is sold out. But keep your eyes open for announcements. Go to bewildandfree.org to get on their email list. And that way you can find out when their conference is happening in the fall. It's totally worth traveling to. Greta, have you been to all the Wild and Free conferences? I've been to three. The first one I didn't go to. I had just discovered them. And so I saw it happening and I thought, wow, I want to be a part of that. And so I then was able to go to the second one, which is in Portland last spring. And I was a speaker there and I talked about books a lot, (laughs) of course. And um, then I was a speaker again at the Williamsburg one and talked about books again. I talked about books that inspire a love of nature. Actually, it's one of my favorite subjects because it combines nature and books. And then I'm super excited to be able to be speaking again at this one in Long Beach. It's, It's an incredible experience just to be around women who love educating their kids at home and they're so creative and so inspiring and so willing to sort of forge their own path. And to be in that kind of environment for a few days is just incredibly encouraging and uplifting. And you come away feeling like I am not doing this alone. I'm surrounded by other women who get me. And that's really fun, really empowering. Oh, yeah. I came home last time filled up for months. I mean, it was transformational, especially as far as just soul nourishing and making Mm -hmm. me feel so much more inspired to do this well with my own kids. Right. Very good. Well, for all of our listeners, if you want to connect with Greta, head to maandpawmodern.com or check her out on Instagram. She's at maandpawmodern. Is there anywhere else they should go to connect with you, Greta? No, those are... I try to update my blog as often as I can, which isn't that often because (laughs) I do need to sleep sometimes. But you can get a lot on my Instagram posts because I definitely fill that limit when I'm writing on my Instagram posts. Those are like my mini blog posts. And then when I want to write something more. Wait, wait, wait. There's a text limit in Instagram. Uh, I have never even written one so long that I did not even know that. (laughs) Well, that's really embarrassing that I know it very well. Um, (laughs) 
I think a lot of people, they like look at my post and they say, wow, okay, how many times do I have to scroll to finish what she has to say? Oh, but so good. It's so good. You it's like to, a microblog. It's just beautiful. You have to be committed, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to write more and really take up a lot of your time, then I write a blog post. And, but I, you know, that's where I can reference a lot more. And I definitely try to do that, but maybe once a week if I can. So those are the two places, Instagram and my blog. And I love to talk about books and parenting and mothering and homeschooling adventures. And I love connecting with other moms who are passionate about the same things. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Oh, me too. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hello, my name's Mia, and I live in Marietta, Georgia. I'm four years old, and I like Mr. Bugger's Penguin because he doesn't know where the penguin gets out from, and he doesn't know where he's going. You guys are crazy. Then my other book is The Seven Silly Eaters. You don't know what to do, and their mama doesn't know what they're trying to do, so she creeps in bed and no one, and everybody comes downstairs to make something. Hi, my name is Magdalena. I'm seven years old, and I live in Minnesota. My favorite book is Long Winter by Lauren Gozada. I like it because in Minnesota, we have long winters too. Hello, I live in Oregon and I'm five. My favorite book is Madeline and the Gypsies. My favorite part is when Miss Cavell finds Madeline. Hi, my name is Lucas. I live in Oregon. I'm seven years old. My favorite book is Honey One Balloons. My favorite part is when Professor Sherman almost gets eaten by a shark. Hi, my name is Shane. I live in Oregon and I'm not. One of my favorite books is Homer Price and the Donuts. My favorite part was when Homer couldn't stop the donuts. Thank you so much, kids. I just love hearing your book recommendations, and you named a few of my favorites today as well. Okay, show notes for today's episode is at readaloudrevival.com. Click on episode 42. While you're there, sign up for our new completely awesome book list. I think you'll be glad you did. You'll never be short of ideas on what to read aloud next with your kids based on what they're interested in and their ages. And we've got those books broken down into all kinds of creative ways for you to choose a great read aloud next. I am so glad you joined me today. I appreciate every single one of you, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful March. Until next time, go build your family culture around books. 